you're about to meet a sophisticated redneck. You probably won't laugh at his attempts at humor, but there's always that draw. I think I see him coming out of that barn over on the far left. And here he is, the Cooth Hillbilly. once again. Welcome back. Now I'm going to say some things that may upset some people. I guess it's just a tendency of mine and I can't help myself. But anyway, some people will think that I don't like America. Now that's not really true. America is an experiment to see if we can govern ourselves. Experiments involve making changes and that means mistakes. But mistakes can be corrected. Now, if you go all rah-rah about how great everything is, you'll see no reason to make it better. Criticize it when it's deserved. And I've been around since before World War II. Now, I've experienced this country from the inside and observed it from the outside. We need changes, and I'll say so. So, let's get on with the topic for today. We all say words. Lots of words. We should know the meaning of those words that we use, and it'd be helpful if everyone else shared the same meaning. The fact that we don't share the same meaning is a major cause for many of our problems and our inability to deal with those problems effectively. I'd really rather be talking about the news of the day and provide you with a take that, you know, maybe you wouldn't get somewhere else. But we need to be on the same page. What I mean is what you should think I mean. It would be helpful that way. Okay, that's time to clear up some definitions. If you ever use such words as democracy, republic, capitalism, socialism, fascism, free market, or any number of other such words that are just thrown around in public, most people use those words incorrectly. I've been using words for more than eight decades. And I would guess that some of y'all have even used words on occasion. As a journalist, been writing for an academic journal, and as a politician, and as a public speaker, as an author, and as an advocate for a non-profit, I've even been paid for using words. So I've always tried to use them correctly. I just want to clear up some of this misuse. But there is one area I'd like to clear up uh, where there's some confusion for a lot of people before I take a deeper dive. There are two ways to organize a government. One is as, a, is as a republic. The opposite is a monarchy. The latter is hereditary. The former is not. It's as simple as that. Calling it a republic, like North Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, is in name only, of course. A republic may be democratic or authoritarian. A monarchy may be democracy or authoritarian, republic is not an alternative to democracy. Now, where do we begin? Since one of my areas of study in graduate school was in international economics, let's start with capitalism. Owning your own home qualified you as a capitalist. Not really. That's what they used to tell us. Let's say you make hula hoops. You could be a lot richer than Trump. You could even be a real billionaire. But you wouldn't be a capitalist. 
The actual definition. Capitalism is the control of the major means of production by a few private actors. Defined as steel, power, communication, transportation, banks, utilities, and such areas of the economy that are necessary for the economy to function. The less varies, but major is the key word. Hula hoops are not classified as a major means of production. Being a, a very wealthy manufacturer of them does not qualify you as a capitalist. Now, I said controlling. In the beginning, it was owning, but it, that has changed. And it's because shareholders, the owners, usually aren't in control. The officers and board of directors are. I need to mention a popular buzzword for something that doesn't exist. A free market. It doesn't exist, but everyone talks about it. That's right. There ain't no such thing. For one to exist, there are five or six criteria that must be met. I'm only going to use three to prove my point. During my first course in economics, agriculture was used as the example of a free market. One is easy to enter and exit. Farming met that standard. You can switch from one veggie to another or go from cows to sows fairly easily. But then Cargill, Tyson, ADM, and a few others came along. The fact is you need to have enough players so that none is very much larger than the other and no possibility of one or a small group of players being able to control the market or manipulate it. That is part of the definition of a free market. Now, Jim Cramer, one of the mouths on CNBC, bragged that he could take as little as $5 million and make a stock market stock go up or down or sideways. He proceeded to do it. Admittedly, that was not an entire market, but it was only $5 million to lots of corporations and hedge funds. It's a rounding error. Next, every player must have equal access to all the information that affects that market. Now, I can't think of any market that meets those criteria. Still, there are plenty of economists throwing that term around as though they actually existed. Also, the government affects the market. It can't help it. With taxes, regulations, and, and other ways. Now, that was the version that they teach you in college and economics courses. But I need to get to the real one. Let me just say that it was an 18th century gimmick, a talking point that sounded nice for the public. It never was a real thing. What do the elite mean when they say free market? They mean for the government to leave them alone. No taxes, no regulations. Okay, maybe subsidies. Actually, economics is not developed enough to qualify as an academic discipline. It's easy to show that the theory of supply and demand is seriously out of tune with reality. The invisible hand that capitalist economists are so fond of is no more real than it is visible. I began as a math major. Now, most economists are enthralled with econometric modeling. I never knew a professor that had a background in math. But that doesn't keep them from trotting out all those charts that they don't understand and they don't know if they mean anything. Define socialism. Instead of control of the major means of production being closely privately held, it theoretically is in the hands of the society, the public. And it's necessary to say the word theoretically, because in every so-called socialist country, the control has devolved into the hands of a few. And economists generally refer to this as state socialism, 
But as the control is in the hands of a few rather than the many, I call it state capitalism. So the choice is between private capitalism and state capitalism. That's not really an altogether appealing set of options. Many say that the U.S. is becoming a socialist country. The government is involved in several sectors, subsidizing the aircraft industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and a few others. But in reality, it's the government that is controlled by the corporations. And many think socialism is when the government does anything that could be done by the private sector, disregarding the fact that those activities may not qualify as among the major means of production. Public education first comes to mind. No government provides education out of the goodness of its heart. There are reasons for public education. One, obviously, is the advantage of having a ready supply of literate workers. The private sector could take it on, but teaching their employees reading, writing, and arithmetic? <laughs> I don't think they won't do that. However, the primary reason is socialization, creating a nation, a society. Governments need a society where much of the culture is held in common. Socialization process will have positive and negative aspects. Each government wants to establish its preferred version of history, goals, ideals, and such. As misused as this process is in this country and every other one, it is necessary. Otherwise, the dominant feature in a country without a common heritage would be a virtual power of Babel. Police and fire departments could be privatized or not even exist. Many prisons already are privatized, but the results have been disastrous so far. How about everyone putting up the street in front of their own home? That would still leave the problem of highways or their absence. It begins to get ridiculous. I mentioned power. The memory of how Texas suffered from a snowstorm still haunts the citizens of that state. What went wrong? The politicians of that state wanted a privatized power grid. Why? Because their religion, capitalism, claims private ownership is always better. Those in charge had only one focus, and it wasn't the safety or well-being of its customer. No, that was profit. Why waste money on winterizing the equipment when you can divvy up even more profits? Many say that we have socialism for the wealthy and capitalism for the rest of us. The fact that corporations and the wealthy get considerably more welfare than everyone else, that's true. But the distribution of welfare is not a component of the definitions of either capitalism or socialism. The point is well taken, but we need another word. Welfare is another one of those words that the elite have weaponized. Actually, the word is in the Constitution, right up in the front, in the preamble. Quote, we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America, unquote. Labels, capitalism, socialism, and others are useless. They do more harm than good even if they were understood and used correctly. Many of these words I'm defining are used largely as epithets. They're used to stifle debate, because many of the debaters have no understanding of what they're talking about. 
Each society, each community should look at each issue and decide which option serves them best, which makes more sense. It is stupid to follow some misbegotten ideology, any ideology. Ideologies are for the intellectually lazy and intellectually limited. Ideologies claim to have all the answers. Spoiler alert, they don't. People accept a particular ideology because they were born into it or because it's the most popular in their community. Few go beyond the cant, the buzzword, the dog whistle, the sloganeering employed by those who most benefit from the ignorance, both of their own ideology and other ideologies. Human beings are far more complex than any simplistic ideology can account for. Groups of these complex beings create even more complexity. Our brains are the most complex things that we know of in the entire universe. I think it would be helpful if we'd actually use them, at least on occasion. Fascism. It's a meaningless epithet, though it seems never a day when I don't hear the word used. I can't recall hearing anyone using it correctly in decades. The Benito Mussolini did not invent fa fascism, but he famously installed it in Italy in 1919. I think it can be argued that no one had greater experience of it, so I would place him as an authority on the subject. We should have paid attention to him when he defined it for us. Quote, fascism should more appropriately be called corporatism because it is a merger of state and corporate power. Unquote. Fascism's necessary partner is authoritarianism. Controlled by violence and the threat of violence. Let me just interrupt myself for a brief pertinent digression. I don't recall when, I don't recall when I first realized it, but it was confirmed in a book that I read for a political science course in 1977 or 78. This was, it had long been accepted by social and political scientists that those who normally don't participate in elections lean heavily toward authoritarianism, amenable to fascism. We saw that in the election of 2020. Trump lost, but appealing to that tendency, was able to turn out more votes than any winning candidate in the past. Thankfully, his opponent turned out more. Of course, it took a massive effort to overcome the voter suppression of minorities. Back to the word. When Benito and Adolf were in the prime practitioners of fascism, the state was the managing partner. They ruled the roots. Fascism today is not your grandfather's fascism. Today, corporations are in the ascendancy. They have bought and paid for Congress, the presidency, the entire alphabet soup of government agencies, and they've even bothered to go down to the state level. Yes, the government of these United States is fascist. A limited show of democratic forms isn't all that satisfying. Don't blame me for calling this country fascist. Given the definition, that conclusion is inescapable. Democracy is somewhat complex. It deserves a bit more of our time. So rather than squeezing it into this episode, I'll make it the main focus of our next attempt at understanding what we're all talking about. Let's call it a day and give you the opportunity to visit the website. It's scoothillbilly.com. There you can subscribe or buy me a cup of coffee or something else important. Well, thanks for stopping by, and y'all come back now, you hear? Thanks for coming by and listening to the Couth Hillbilly podcast. Not to worry, he'll be back and we hope that you will be too. In the meantime, 
just run over to couthhillbilly.com and subscribe. That's C-O-U-T-H hillbilly.com. That way you'll be certain to never miss an episode. Stay safe.